Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong Giants fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am Ben Henry, next to my brother, the still-esteemed, but no longer Captain Matthew Henry. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew. Oh, I was going to ask you a weird question, but I, I don't think I want to go there because I, it's it's too touchy. It's too touchy. It's okay. it's, it's it's too touchy. Um, you know, let's see. I don't know. Kittens or puppies? Kittens, because uh, kittens turn into cats. Puppies turn into dogs. Uh, I am definitely a cat guy. Not that I don't like dogs. I just like mm. other people's dogs, and uh, just right. because they're they're a lot of work, and I'm just lazy. So a cat is lazy with me, you know, whereas dogs just demand your attention all the time. And so, yeah, kittens. Kittens. All right. Good choice. Solid choice. Solid choice. I, too, would probably choose cats. I don't know, though. Like, if when it comes to kittens and puppies, I kind of just want them all in a big puddle. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if, if I could give the puppies to somebody else, you know, then Later. I love puppies. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, if they became my dog, then no, I'm, I'm all kittens. And, you know, and you actually have both. You have a dog and cats. Yes. I, I mean, yes. you have a dog that's maybe a small horse, but, um, yes. you know, yes. it's a dog. I have, a, I have a, a small dog who's 110 pounds. I say small dog because he thinks he's a small dog. <laughs> you know, he jumps around, gets on the couch, things like that, you know. He's afraid of everything, including puppies. It's a weird <laughs> thing. He's afraid of puppies. My 110-pound dog is afraid of puppies. But anyway, that's not why we're here. No. That's not what we're here to talk about. This week, Matthew, the San Francisco Giants, went 4-3, and three, which, you know, is okay. It's actually pretty good. It's a winning record. You do that every single week, and you're going to finish up with a, a pretty good record in, in the old Major League Baseball. This week, it, it felt like not enough, but we'll get yeah. to that. Overall, their record is now 97 and 53. I smell shots coming. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I refuse to accept the reality as it is, although I am enjoying this alternate reality for sure, for sure. The Giants are still one game up and in first place all by themselves in the National League West over the Los Angeles Dodgers. They hold that same lead over the same team in the National League and Major League standings overall. So, you know, with uh, with two weeks to play, the San Francisco Giants have a playoff spot clinched. They're in the driver's seat. Everything's golden. Right, Matthew? Sure. <laughs> sure. Then why are we so stressed out? I, I feel like that meme where the dog is sitting in fire and he's saying, it's fine. This is fine. Yeah. This, is, this fine. is fine. And and yes, so that's the way I feel right now. This is mm-hmm. fine. We have the lead. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Look, you know what? Listen, folks. 
My favorite San Francisco Giants team of all time is the 1993 San Francisco Giants, who I, I we're going to talk a little bit about later in the show as we talk about where the 2021 team stacks up against history. But that that San Francisco team is tied for the 1962 Giants with the best record in San Francisco history. That also, team. Yeah, well, go ahead. You, you, what did that, that team do? Nothing. That's it. <laughs> that team. That team went home and watched the playoffs on television. And uh, it was then only the next year that the wild card was supposed to go into effect. We won't, nothing happened the next year either. Everybody stayed home and watched nothing on TV the next year because 1994 was one of the worst years ever for baseball, even worse than 2020. Uh, but nonetheless, the San Francisco Giants in 1993 won 103 games and went home and did nothing. I would have given anything for one game to stay in the playoffs. And what I know about this year, as stressful as this year is, and as much as we all want to win the division, and as much as we all want to do it over the Dodgers, the fact of the matter is, no matter what happens, the Giants are in the playoffs. and Still get to play that extra game. That's right. They've got a chip in a chair, and they can still win the World Series, no matter what happens with this division race. And I think that's one important thing that we got to keep in mind. The other thing that we got to keep in mind is that when you're stressed out, a great way to stay de-stressed, maybe not a healthy way, maybe not the most advisable way, but a way is to drink lots of alcohol. Bob, hit me with the question. What are you drinking? Thank you for asking, Bob. You're always so polite. You ask me that every week, and I got to tell you, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Bob. You work hard for the money, man. He does. Thank you for working hard for us. This week, Bob, I'm drinking something called the Honeycrisp Cilantro Smash. And is that because I'm a great and amazing uh, mixologist who just came up with this out of nowhere and just decided to make a cilantro and honey crisp apple bourbon cocktail? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not what happened. For the last time this year, Logan Posey or Buster Webb or whatever we call that guy made me roll the dice. And he would have made me roll again this yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but we said only once the two of them got to a combined 25 wins and home runs would this stop. Well, so I had to roll the dice last week. And we said I was going to make a smash. And we rolled the dice and it came out bourbon, elderflower liqueur, honey, apple, uh, let's see, cilantro, was there anything else in there, Matthew? I think that's it. That's, that's, that's it. everything I put yeah. in the cocktail. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, that's what this is. That's it, It's a smash. And, and so uh, for those of you who don't know, a smash is kind of a vaguely, it's a vague genre of, of cocktails, like many cocktails, really. But I, the, the main thing that you have to do in a smash is you have to smash or muddle a seasonal fruit and generally combine it with a spirit, usually whiskey. Uh, and then you pour it over crushed ice in a rocks glass. <laughs> Everything else after that is, is kind of gravy. It, it does typically come with, with mint is the most common herb that is in, included in there. Um, and um, it's actually considered to be part of the julep family. What's a julep? I don't know. I don't know either. I didn't make one of those this week. <laughs> but I think a julep has something to do with crushed ice. But anyway, so this week... 
uh, so I was had to. Cr so my fruit was an apple, and I went there and I made this all exactly the way I was supposed to. I crushed the apple with a muddler, and I looked down into my glass, and all I saw was a half crushed apple slice. <laughs> there was no juice in there, which I mean, you know, come on, we all know that, but it was rather pathetic. So I made the first version of this, and I, I, I actually was texting Matthew as I was making it, and I made the first version of this without the elderflower liqueur, with the muddled apple. And um, it was a bitter, bitter mess. Kind of like kinda, you. Kind of like my life. Yeah. 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 yeah really. Really. <laughs> uh, no. No. It, it wasn't that bad. Uh, but it was a kind of a bitter mess. And so what I did is I actually just went and said, okay, I got to salvage this cocktail somehow. So I thought, hey, why don't I just throw some of that elderflower liqueur in there? just to sweeten it up a little bit and, you know, and, and still follow the rules and see what happens. And that actually changed it quite a bit. So I went back to the drawing board and this is what I finally came up with. An ounce and a half of bourbon, half an ounce of elderflower liqueur. I poured that over a quarter of a lemon that was uh, already muddled. So I muddled a quarter of a lemon and then I took some honey and I mixed that with apple juice. So I took about a quarter of an ounce of apple juice and about roughly, I don't know, like a quarter of an ounce of honey. Uh, and, you know, so stirred that up and it kind of created a syrup out of that. And then poured that in over, over ice, took about 10 to 12 cilantro leaves, chucked those into the, into the shaker. And then I shook all that up with ice and then I double strain that over a rocks glass of crushed ice and then I garnished it with a slice of my honey crisp apple and uh, and a cilantro leaf and the the final outcome Matthew is is really quite good really I, I mean yeah I mean look you're gonna have to like cilantro but it's it's not like the cilantro ruins everything and and it's not like they put cilantro on the mixology dice as a like sort of like a little teehee, let's put this in there and see what kind of horrible things it does to people. Because cilantro is actually a tried and true cocktail ingredient. It's a little bit on the more exotic side. But I found a lot of cocktails with cilantro in the recipe, because you uh -huh. know that's the first thing I investigated. Yeah. <laughs> that the mixology dice people were just messing with you? Yeah, I was like, is this for real? And um well, and no, I mean, it actually comes out and, and it, it's really quite, um, it's got a little bit of that spicy uh, taste of cilantro. Okay, wait, I will say this. If you're one of those people who doesn't have whatever the genetic predisposition is required to like cilantro, this is probably going to taste like soap to you. Yes. So if you're one of those soapy cilantro people... There's no way this is ever going to be good to you. Matthew, are you one of the soapy cilantro people? You know, I, I think I am. I, I don't enjoy cilantro. And it does have a little hint of soap to me. Uh -huh. But I don't know if it's like the genetic part or I just don't like it. I, I don't know. Right. But, you know, right. the the it's just it's in every food that I love, though. And I tolerate mm -hmm. it because right. I love Mexican food. But... Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not something that I'd be like, oh, I really want a more cilantro yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, the elderflower liqueur and the cilantro really balanced each other nicely. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a very kind of nice, subtle pairing. 
uh, and, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so this actually is, is quite good. It's not like something that I would have ordered off the menu for sure. And I think I would never make this just for myself. But if I were like, you know, for some reason at an event and I needed to make two or three or four cocktails and I wanted to have something a little strange on the menu, a little off, off beat, off the beaten path, I would consider putting this on there. This is definitely a, definitely a drinkable, genuine, real cocktail. Wow. So there you I'm, go. I am shocked. So is uh-huh. Bob. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yeah, that doesn't sound shocked, Bob, but he's thank not you. shocked. He's not he's shocked. shocked. He's yeah. he's uh yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to have to try that out at some point. I'm going to have to make this uh, what are we calling it again? Well, it's the Honey Crisp Cilantro Smash. Honey Crisp I I, I, I could call it um, Bob Smash. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. All right. All right. Well, you know that that sounds like a good one uh as for me. I am bringing to the table, well, I forgot to look up exactly, but I think fall is happening like in the next week or so, like uh, the, we are coming to the fall equinox. Uh, and I've been looking up what kind of cocktails are generally drinking in the fall, which kind of evoke those, you know, fall-like senses. And one of the places that I went to early on was Mezcal, kind of the smoky kind of flavor. And I actually even bought a bottle of mezcal, and I've never really actually tasted it on its own. Yeah, and uh, oh really? And I, yeah, and I and I kind of learned uh, since I bought that bottle because, um, frankly, I didn't like it. Uh, that there are lots of different types of flavors of mezcal, and the one that I chose was very uh, jalapeno centric. Like it just, it you drank it and you actually tasted like it was jalapenos. And I know that's not mm. in the flavor. That's not something that normally, I don't know. It just, that's, and actually I, re- I researched that particular bottle and that was the consensus. It wasn't just me. There were other people who do reviews on that particular bottle that said, yeah, this has a very kind of strong uh, jalapeno kind of- flavor. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really enjoy that, which is unfortunate because now I have a whole bottle of this that, um, you know, sometimes it just happens when you're trying to, you know, stock your bar with things. I'll right? take it off your hands. All right. All right. It's yours. Uh, but so I, I was going to do a fall type of cocktail with mezcal as the central, uh, of, you know, uh, spirit. But uh, obviously I didn't go that route. So I, you know, one of the other things that kept coming up in fall uh, cocktails was apple cider. And yes, and uh, um, and I didn't do that either. So no, uh, no. Wow. I, I was going to. Uh, well, I got but... us covered. I got us covered with the honey crisp. You did. Uh, you did. You know, cilantro smash. There you but, go. So through my research, though, one of the other ones was that I, I came up with uh, uh, this. This cocktail is called the Pine Pepper Crush, and what drew it, drew me to it was that it uses port wine. Uh, as a float on top, and that's really what evokes this whole autumn fall kind of thing is this 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 sweet um, uh, dessert wine floating on top. And the ingredients of this is a blanco tequila, so it's one and three quarter ounces of blanco tequila, eight pineapple pieces, and I you could buy fresh. I did not. I chose I just bought a small can of pineapple chunks and threw seven or eight of them in there, and I muddled that with some cracked pepper. Black, black pepper. Mm. Black and, pepper is a great cocktail ingredient. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I did not know this. I was a little skeptical with this. Uh, uh, and then I took about a, a quarter ounce of lime juice, 
and a half ounce of agave nectar, um, uh, with which was uh, syrup. So I combined water and agave nectar to kind of uh, equal parts and put a half ounce of that in there. And you shake that all up in, with ice and then double strain it into a rocks glass with, with fresh ice. And then you float this port wine on top. And port wines, if you're not familiar, are basically a dessert wine. They're sweeter. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, is it's a little bit of a heavy float, right? Does it, it, is. it, it does it bleed pretty quickly down? It does. The and I was a little yeah. disappointed because the photo that I saw on the website that I you know stole this from uh, had a really beautiful photo of the. Well, of you got to take that top. picture really quick. I think it, it, a port is a really heavy, heavy wine. Yeah. Right. Because it's yeah. it's 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 a little bit on the sweeter side, and so so to float that on a on a less dense liquid, uh, one you really got to nail the float. Right. And I did not. You, I was yeah, okay. I was a mess. So yeah. it, you know, I had the bar spoon out and I'm pouring it on there, but it was going everywhere and it just immediately sunk. And so, yeah. I, it doesn't look as pretty as I thought it would be. And then you garnish it with more cracked black pepper. So it is actually a really smooth cocktail. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. I mean, it has peppery hints to it, you know, yeah. but not not overbearing. The pineapple is subtle. It's got the subtle pineapple sweetness in the background. You really do taste the port, obviously, but it pairs nicely with the tequila. And just all those flavors work really well together. And I really like this. I uh, I fully recommend the Pine Pepper Crush. And uh, we'll put that rest- all both recipes up on Twitter and Instagram later. But uh, that is what I am drinking tonight. That sounds really lovely. I, I would say that yeah, black pepper is a great ingredient. Uh, it actually pairs really well with gin. Mm, uh, I can and see that. So, yeah. so that is a really good pairing. Uh, mezcal is yes a great fall. Like to me, it's funny that you say that you got that jalapeno flavor. Now I can think of some great tequila jalapeno cocktails that I've had in the past where it sounds like a mezcal like that would be really a good uh, swap out. Yeah. So, uh, but I always thought of the to me the dominant flavor of mezcal was always kind of a smokiness. Well, that's what I was right? expecting out of this, and I think I just mm-hmm. I just chose the wrong one. I, right, I just think yeah. it was. Not not as right. smoky as I was thinking. Wow. Well, that does sound very good. The Pine Pepper Crush. Well, That's it. You know, there you go. All right. Well, it's 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 fitting uh, that you uh, mentioned that it was uh, the Pine Pepper Crush. Because I do feel like we're all starting to feel a little bit like we're getting crushed <laughs> under the pressure of, of this postseason race. And I will say that a certain team that seems to be not bearing the pressure well, even though they did split with us in our first four-game series of this week, is the San Diego Padres. Even after my goading, Matthew, even after my taunting of them last week, I, I think I must have yelled, the San Diego Padres are still the San Diego Padres 20 times. That must have been a good cocktail last week because because <laughs> I was really I was really I was really angry at the Padres last week. And let me let me just say I'm still angry at those yeah, guys. Yeah, I don't think they did anything to <laughs> No. No. I mean, but anyway, so yes, we went 4 and 3 this week. The Dodgers went what? I guess they went 5 and 1. Yes, the the Dodgers went five and one, while the Giants went four and three, and the Giants what two and a half game lead has dwindled now back to one game. Yep. With, 
with 12 games left to play in the season. And and things started off okay during the week as we asserted our dominance over those reeling and pathetic Padres. And everything was going fine until until it wasn't when suddenly our, our bullpen decided that it had had enough. <laughs> and it just couldn't keep going any further. And... And we lost two in a row of, of games that I, I think were, were winnable. I, I definitely think there was some elements to the offense in those second two games that were frustrating, some missed opportunities, and, and it felt like they didn't get the ball rolling until late, so they were always playing catch-up. But honestly, the Giants were in the middle of a great offensive output during that stretch, including those two games. Yeah. I, I think... Um, I think what was it? They did. They they were at one point. They had ten straight games of six plus runs. Yeah, I think so. For through, I think through the first two games of that series, and then they scored only four runs in the first game that they lost, and then they scored six again in the second game that they lost. Actually, it's flipped. The sixth game, oh. they they lost. They scored six in their first loss and four in their second loss. Okay, got it, got it. But anyway, so the point is, they did win, and then they went twelve games where they scored four more four runs, yeah, or more. Um, and if you generally score four runs, you should win, right? The overwhelming majority of the time, if you score four runs, you're going to win a baseball game. So if your offense is putting up numbers like that on a day in and day out basis, you're in a pretty good place. Right. So I, I, I got to pin those last two games uh, on the bullpen. Now, I don't know that I'm blaming them because those guys have been carrying a huge load, but, but it, it, it did, um, it did make me at that point. I was like, you know what? I'm a little bit tired of this. I'm a little bit tired of these bullpen games. I'd I'd like to see <laughs> some of these starters come back and pitch longer into these games. Right. Well, I, it's interesting when you look at like the month of September. We're we're 13 and five in the month of September, which translates into a 7.22 win percentage. Which oh, here is, you go, here you go, telling us how all good we are. Well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we, we keep forgetting how good we are, and 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 you know, it's just we 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 tend to, and I we're not the only ones. I see Giants fans out there just 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 gutted with these oh, losses, yeah. and you know we're gonna lose some games, and we've lost less of them than we have in September than we have as a whole for the entire year, and and I feel like yeah. What more can we ask of these guys? You know, yes, the Dodgers are coming, but newsflash, the Dodgers are freaking good. Okay. And, and, you know, they're playing really good baseball as they have all year. And, and you can't expect that the Giants are just going to walk away from the Dodgers. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And this is going to come down actually, you know, to the final three games of the season. And we have to just accept that. And yes, our bullpen's going to give up some runs. There's going to be days like today where the Giants don't score any runs, you know, which is rare, right? I mean, think of when was the last time we were shut out? I should have looked that up. I don't know, but it was a long time ago. And uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna lose some games, and you know, it's just the way it is. And to hear Giants fans just being like, just like I can't believe it. they want to blame people, and they're just you know really just pissed off. And it's like, we're 13 and five in September, you know? And yeah, you know, it sucks to lose to the Padres, 
you know, especially with the way they've been playing. Uh, but then we took two or three from the Braves, you know, who are a good team. And, you know, we're we're playing good baseball overall. And I just I, I feel like we just need to keep reminding ourselves that because, yeah, every loss is, feels like a gut punch. Every mm. every bullpen blown save or whatever feels like it's, you know, the worst thing ever. But we're playing good baseball. And yeah. and we're still, you know, 2021 Giants baseball is a little luck thrown in there, right? And uh, and I feel like, you know, every time we have a game like Friday night where, you know, we give up the lead and we're down to our last strike and all of a sudden, you know, some guy who hasn't played in three weeks, you know, gets the game-tying home run and, you know, we're – it just – that's the Giants <laughs> season right there, right? I mean, that's it. And, yeah, and yeah. So just enjoy the ride, Giants fans. Enjoy the ride. You know, we'll get into the records and how unique the season is later, but, man, enjoy it. Don't be so, like, just gutted every time. This is – enjoy the big picture of this season. Agreed. Agreed. I've got a few. I get a few follow-ups, things to clean up uh, off of, of things that you just said there. Okay, but, well, but, yes. I, but I do want right. to. I do want to build on top of that. First of all, I, I forgot to say this earlier in the show. The the first day of the equinox is the twenty first of September. So all of you Earth, Wind, and Fire fans out there, <laughs> uh, you know, just start singing now. We'll wait. Okay. The last time the Giants scored zero runs was August 29th. They got shot out nine to nothing by the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I believe that was the Sunday getaway day, the day before we. Oh, that was it the out. Sammy Long just take it for the team game. Yeah, the Sammy, the one where Sammy Long took it, took mm-hmm. took the L, um, and. Uh, and what who and catapulted else? us to like a win streak, right? I mean, uh, that's right, or, that's uh, right. Just, and well. then, and but, but the next day, remember, I think was the lowest point of the Giants' season when we found out that uh, Cueto and Alex Wood had both been put on the COVID list, and 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 you know, we 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 did find out that Cueto turned out to be okay for a brief moment in time, um, but then we didn't see Alex Wood until until what yesterday. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that that's the um, that those. Sorry, that's a couple of cleanup points. But on top of that, Matthew, I, I agree with you. The Giants fans absolutely have to start enjoying this season. And I think that's kind of the point that I was making at, earlier, right, in the show when I was talking about the fact that the 1993 Giants didn't get to to play in the playoffs, right? There was no wild card spot. Right. And I, I think I think, you know, and that was a really stressful time. But even so, I still remember that team. I still remember that team. It's still my all-time favorite San Francisco Giants team. And I still think it is one of the best San Francisco Giants teams of all time. One of the best Giants teams of all times. You know, if, if I were to, you know, if I could go to some magical place and watch, you know, a, a team play other great teams of it, that would definitely be my pick. To see that team play other great versions of the, of the, of the Giants. And, and they didn't do anything. They didn't even go to the playoffs. So we're really, really lucky to know that this team is going to have a chance at the end of the season. And it gives us the luxury of really taking the time to enjoy what we're seeing. And I think especially like games like what we saw Friday night against the Braves, right? Which was, I think you're absolutely right. The Friday night game epitomizes the 2021 San Francisco Giants. This team is a great team. It's a surprising team, 
But it's also a team that I think everybody always expects to fall down. And then even in those moments, it starts to fall down and everybody says, oh, here we go. You know, Major League Baseball shows a picture of the Dodgers with fireworks around their heads, anointing them, you know, for so that they can spend half a day in first place. Yes. Uh, and, and everybody expects this team to just fade away. And they don't. And that is exactly what happened to them on, on Friday night. And I, I, you know, that game was such a, in a, you know, full of like highs and lows and, but was everything that I love about this team, everything that makes them fun. And, you know, I was so disappointed when the Braves hit that home run against Rogers and just thinking like, oh man, the Dodgers lost today and they could have extended their lead out. What a wasted opportunity. And I don't know why I was thinking that now because I was thinking, you know, because, because this team always finds a way and I know, yes, they don't do it every day, right? They didn't do it today, right? Today was a very anemic looking effort on the offensive side of the ball for sure. And, um, you know, and Descalfani was, was great until he wasn't Right. And those both of those things can be frustrating. But, you know, like at the same time, you got to have games like that so that this team could turn around and surprise you again in a more macro sense. And I think that's just yes. And if we're all stressing out and worrying about all of these little things and trying to figure out who it is we want to blame. Oh, and I blame Farhan Zaidi for this. If it wasn't for Farhan Zaidi, this team would be mediocre or bad. (laughs) So it's his fault that we're all stressed out like this. Because, you know, so that if they want anybody to blame, that's who Giants fans should blame. That's right. Whatever something that's right. It is all it is all his fault. It is absolutely all his fault, because if he hadn't put this roster together, they wouldn't be this good and we wouldn't be all going through this stress. Yes, that's right. Also, I blame Jose Alvarez. Just because we do that on this show. I'm really sorry, dude. I'm sorry. You know, know, even though it's not, it's not, you know. (laughs) Jose, you're great. You know, it, it, it was it's the whole gut punch thing, man. Said a bad, bad impression, and then we just never got over it. No, but anyway. I'm still not over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, so Friday's game was, I would agree, typical of of the Giants' season. And uh, as I was watching that game, you know, I mean, the one thing that just keeps rearing its head because prior to that game, right, McGee went on the uh, the IL. And so now all of a sudden we have uh, Tyler Rogers closing out games. And uh, if you've been listening to this podcast, I am torn on how I feel about Tyler Rogers because while I can fully appreciate that he is a very good, effective relief pitcher who has demonstrated his ability to get outs, he also demonstrates his ability to give up lots of contact. And... Uh, and I just don't feel comfortable having him pitching in high leverage ninth inning situations because, you know, every ball put into play has the potential for disaster. And and I know that him giving up home runs is rare uh, and, and probably, you know, I think he's only given up two or three maybe this entire season. But, you know, generally it's like, you know, bloop here, bloop there. And then he hangs something and, you know, which is what happened, you know, on Friday night. And I just would like to have 
I think that he has a great role on this team, but it can't be in that situation. And uh, and so we talk about typical for the Giants, right? I mean, I feel like that's typical. We've been struggling. If there's one role that we've struggled to kind of find some rhythm in, it's that closer's role. Even though McGee has done a fair job of it, you know, there have been times during the season where we have just been pulling out our hair, you know, and I know you, you know, you're one of your favorite sayings is we could have had a closer, but y'all wanted Chris Bryant. And yep. And and I agree on moments like that where I'm like, why didn't we pick up a closer? And I just I feel like we're going to see that again. I, it wouldn't surprise me if our season ends with our whoever our closer is at that time giving up a lead. I just I feel like that's that's probably how our season is going to end. Um, I, I yelled it out multiple times as we were approaching the trade deadline and I yelled it out after the deadline as well. This team is going to blow a game. This bullpen is going to blow a game in the playoffs. And it's going to hurt. And that's not a knock against our bullpen because they've done a very good job as a collective. But sometimes you just need an alpha guy, right? You need a guy that come in that can right. just that just intimidates and blows people yep. away. You need a Brandon Belt in the bullpen who's just going to come <laughs> out and assert his authority. That's right. Be, I'm going to be the first off the plane. I'm going to be the guy on the mound. I'm going to strike everybody out. Exactly. Um, and we don't yeah. have that guy. Yeah. Camilo Duvall yeah. could be that guy, but he's not that guy right now. He's not that guy right now. No, he, he is Give not. Give a year Camilo, or two. Maybe he's that yeah, guy. Yeah, he's not that guy. No. I mean, you need... What is it that all the great closers have, right? Well, first of all, a really wicked, like, usually like slider or... Uh, slider or off-speed pitch. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, that looks exactly like the some other pitch Fastball, that they throw, yeah, right? Yeah. Or, or Mariano's cutter. Trevor Hoffman had his change-up. Yeah, and then had know. his slider. Yep. Yeah, but the other thing that they all have is that look on their face before they throw the ball where you're like, oh my God, he's going to kill this man. Right. Like they yes. just it. it's like it's not just it's not just like ice water in their veins. It's like fire in their veins. It's just this look on their face like they own you. And and a lot of them play that up and they've got they've got little gimmicks that they do to try and psych themselves up. You know, you got Kimbrel and his hawk maneuver. You got Rod Beck and his dangling arm. You know, you got guys talking to baseballs and. You know, it's just, there's a moxie, right? Closers have moxie. Yeah. And cold-blooded assassins. Correct. Correct. And, but they also, like, as you said, they also have a a wicked second pitch. Uh, And I think McGee has a whole lot of moxie, but, but he doesn't have have the wicked second pitch. Doesn't have that wicked second pitch. (laughs) And, and, and Tyler Rogers has like a wicked second pitch in two different ways, but he doesn't have that first pitch. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so I think I think I mean, that's ultimately what it is. This bullpen overall has been fantastic. But to me, it just doesn't scream elite. Right. It doesn't scream. This is an elite bullpen that is going to shut you down and you have to score early because you do not want to face those guys at the end of this bullpen. Right. It is not the Milwaukee Brewers. Right. right. It, it is. Not, and, and and that, you know, and I don't necessarily think that I want that, but I just would like to have that one guy at the back end. You know, I really, really would. But we're not going to get it. No. And so this is who we got. And I totally agree with you. I, I think that maybe Rogers is not the guy for the ninth. I think maybe the Giants agree with that because they do have that. Look what happened yeah. Uh, yeah. On, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Who did we see? We saw good old Dominic Leone. 
Dominic Leone, the guy that I had anointed our seventh inning guy, and you poo-pooed it. <laughs> well, because clearly he's a ninth inning guy. Well, he's a first inning guy. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he became like the, only the second pitcher in Giants history to start a, a game and close out a game in the same series. In uh, back to, wasn't he? Didn't he do it in back-to-back games? Yeah, I think he did it back-to-back, but it was like within the, yeah, oh, I think like, geez. yeah. Yeah. That's, which is crazy, right? Yeah. No, I mean, his star is rising for sure. I mean, he's our opener. He's our backup closer. He is our second best uh, setup guy. Maybe our best setup guy now. I don't know. I don't know. Dominic Leon. Going to be seeing more of him. I think we're also going to be seeing more Camilo. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see more Curvin Castro as well. Yeah, well, you know, uh, what's what's good about, I mean, especially I mean, Curvin Castro, while not necessarily blowing people away, is that I don't think he's walked a batter yet or something. I mean, he has been, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and which is what the Giants love, right? They love their relievers who come in and throw strikes. and Throw strikes, don't give up home runs. Don't, yeah. No walks, no home runs. And, and so Curvin Castro, 22 years old, is proving, at least so far, that he's up to the task there. Uh, Camilo is looking better. I mean, he's looking so much more confident than he did uh, when he first came out, which I guess you'd expect when you're making your major league debut and you're still figuring it all out. But he just looks really good, and I could see him playing a good role uh, as we move through the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's the one guy on the team that I think could scare people, right? I mean, scare. Batters. Agreed. Agreed. Well, and, I mean, he, 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 yeah. well, you could put it 100 miles an hour. It's it's so weird to see the pitch speed uh, from a Giants pitcher to hit triple digits. Like, I'm it like, is oh. very weird. Like, yeah, I'm not used to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when he and Casali, and he's usually pitching to Casali. It seems like, uh, but but you know, I know he pitches to Posey as well. But it seems like nobody's really sure where that ball's going. <laughs> and uh, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing, yep. right? Because because you know he does. He, he, he does not always know where it's going. It's also interesting, too, because he also doesn't know where his slider's going when he first comes into a game. He always seems to yank it to the left quite, you know, in his first two pitches. And so in that moment, you see that moment in time where he throws that first fastball. He's like, because you're like, this kid has no idea where any of his pitches are going. <laughs> and he's about to find out whether he's got anything or not. And, you know, and, and, and if you're the batter in that situation, <laughs> you're not digging in. <laughs> that is not a comfortable at bat, man. No, that is no. not comfortable. You're like, oh, he just missed two of the sliders. That means a fastball is coming. <laughs> it's like Kevin you can't, Costner you can't, like, to... you can't be like, oh, yeah, here's my fastball because it might be in your ear. Like Kevin Costner telling him to hit the bull, you know? I think. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Camilo is hitting the bull every day. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, th- I I agree. I think we've got a lot of rising stars, and I, I think a lot of these guys could become those roles. I, I think some of the, the bullpen has the potential around some of these same guys to be a much, much better, more cohesive and understood unit. But remember, a lot of these guys, the overwhelming majority of these guys were not on the roster at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Right. I think at least five of them, if not right, six. At least. Yeah. I don't even kept track now. I mean, because we have a, such a big deep bullpen right now. But there's a lot of guys that weren't on the seat on the roster. Even right. Forty man. Quintana, Castro, Duval, Watson, Leon, Watson, uh, Latell, Latell. <laughs> yes. There's lots of That's them. <laughs> almost everybody, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of them that were not on the roster, and so, so you know, it's a it's a it's a bullpen that has been built over the season, as we said it was in spring training, yeah. as it was going to be, as we said in spring training, and it just turned out to be that way. But that also means it's not elite, and and it is going to be a liability, I think, in the playoffs. But uh, but the good news is, folks, we're gonna be in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what happens against the Dodgers, we're going to be in the playoffs. And and, and you know, we've had two 
Well, today we had Desclafani. He gave up three runs. And as you mentioned, you know, he was good until he wasn't. I feel like that's we've been saying that a lot about Desclafani lately. And yeah, and, he kind of falls I, off a cliff. He does. And I feel like, why don't we just limit him to like 70 pitches? And just if he gets us through five, then that's great. And let's not flirt with pitches, you know, 70 through 80. You know, I, I feel like that's when he starts to lose it. And and I know that, that, you know, he was building himself up and all that, but I feel like that's done. And right now he's still not getting, uh, he's not being very effective. Uh, it just seems like all of a sudden he just loses it. And 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 today, you know, he was going to, he got one run he was going to lose, right? So it wasn't, I don't feel like he pitched poorly. Uh, his The loss wasn't on him. But I think as we move into the playoffs, I think that, well, I know, right? Well, you would think that Kapler would know that we, you know, you don't, you don't keep starters in too long in the playoffs, right? It's, uh, um, you get what you can out of them and then you move on to the bullpen and we'll see how that all gets managed. But I think, you know, and then today we had Alex Wood go three or earlier this week, he went three innings. I know he's got to build himself back up after missing several weeks to COVID and, uh, you know, he looked good for the three innings that he pitched and, you know, if he can build himself up, then you know that that definitely takes some strain off the relievers, and maybe we we figure all this out. But I think those 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 two guys, uh, Desclafani and Wood, are going to be really important as we close down the stretch here because uh, they can give us some quality innings at the beginning of the game, and hopefully we don't stick with them too long and and and, and use our semi elite bullpen uh, to close out these games. Agreed. I I with Desclafani, I I think. I think we're absolutely right. As a general rule, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like there to be a general rule that says like, uh, you know, our starting pitchers can only face the lineup, you know, through two two turns, right? right. Yeah. I, I don't like those sorts of things, right? I don't like those rules, and I I, I complained about them a lot because it seemed like um, Kapler loved those things. Yes, right? he did. Yeah, uh, I, and he did a lot of that stuff when he was with the Phillies, and he did a lot of that stuff in 2020, and so a lot of it early on, and then the starters let him know. And to his right. credit, he 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 has changed the way he's managed starters. Right, for sure. right, which is which I think is great, and I, I think he's demonstrated that he's watching the game, and he lets his eyes tell him what to do. Yeah. Right. And but I do think Desclafani has just demonstrated a pattern where he falls off really, really quickly. And so I do think that the Giants have to be ready for that. Yeah. They have to be ready at 60 pitches to, to make a lightning move. And I don't think it can wait until the playoffs. It has to start right now, unfortunately. Um, I, I think we have to start playing like we're in the playoffs if they want to win the division. Right. If they right. want to win the division, they have to start playing like they're in the playoffs every single day. Uh, so I think they have to start doing that in his next start. Alex would look great. I I mean, I am I am amazed. I was worried that the guy was good, was done for the season. Right. The way they were talking about how sick he was. Right. But uh, apparently once he got past the worst of of his symptoms with covid, uh, he recovered really, really quickly. Um, which which was good to hear, and um, and it seems like his stamina was really not significantly impacted. Uh, Kapler was like, I didn't expect him to go. I was he was like, I was ready to pull him after one. Oh wow! He, yeah, he was like, I would, I want. He said he wanted to see him go out there. I believe. I think that was who he was talking about. He wanted him to 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 go into the second inning just so he could see how that transition went. Mm-hmm. But he really didn't expect him to get to three he didn't he thought three three full was was not even uh, on the table it seemed like so um so that was a really good sign yeah. right and and i do think that's a really good sign because i think these bullpen games are getting a bit old <laughs> i i worry 
you know, to me, I, I'm a, I'm big into stats and probability. And, and to me, it always just seems like a risk because like anytime a pitcher comes into a game, there's a chance that he doesn't have his good stuff. Right. We, we've seen it happen all the time with sure, every yeah. pitcher. Right. Yeah. It just seems to me that when you're changing your pitcher every inning, you're really asking for it that one of these guys is going to have that problem. Right. Right. But I, I mean, but at the same time, like if it was a starter and they gave up two or three runs in an inning, yeah, we would come to expect that, right? I mean, it would be, I mean, we right, can't expect th- our pitchers to sh- throw shutouts every. Right. Every you game. can't expect them to throw shutouts every game, but you also can withstand those the earlier they happen in a game. Which is why a starter can be allowed to pitch through those things, but a reliever, it really hurts. Now, it's different when Dom, if Dominic Leone gives up two runs in the first, you're like, oh, what a bad outing for him. He, he pitched, you know, one and a third or one inning or two innings and he gave up two runs. That's, that's an ERA of nine or worse. That's not good. Um, but at the same time, it's one or two runs at the beginning of the game, right? right. And, and you can figure that, you know, if your offense can't cover that, then what does it matter? Right. right. Doesn't matter what your pitchers are doing. If right. You got to score more than two it. runs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. If your offense can't cover it, then it doesn't matter. But that's it's like runs earlier in the game, even though in theory, they they should count the same. They do count the same. The thing is, is that your chances of overcoming them are greater because you have more at bats left. Right. The later that these things happen in the game, the more painful they are which is why you generally have your best relievers coming in late in games, right? As opposed to your worst ones, because the chances of them having a bad outing are lower than your substand, you know, your lesser pitchers. Yeah. Um, and that's why statistically speaking, all of these things end up mattering and why roles like, you know, like, Oh, you should always just go with the best matchup and follow the statistics. Well, the statistics will usually say you should just send your best guy out there. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. And your best guy is usually your closer. And that's because that's the guy that you use the most. Right. Right. And so, you know, consequently, you use him the most, but you also use him in situations where you have very few outs left to, to make up for any mistakes he might have. So that's why these roles have evolved and they and they st- and they actually make sense. Um, but but I, you know, I just think that that like having a starter out there who who has a a track record of starting games and can work through some of these things and generally has more pitches to choose from and can find the right selections of pitches that they can use to be effective as opposed to these bullpen guys who have, you know, two pitches or one pitch and and if it's not working for them or they can't get it over the plate, you're like, what else are you going to do? They got to face three batters and you got to just take your lumps. And um, anyway, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of the bullpen game, I guess is what I'm saying. All right, well... Hopefully we, now we still we've got one slot, you know, Quato's slot where we still need to have bullpen games, and I guess until Wood builds up his stamina, uh, we'll see more relievers uh, following Wood. Uh, but you know, it's I, and my my feeling is yeah, they're not ideal, but our bullpen is you know statistically the best bullpen in the National League, and if there's any bullpen that can handle these such situations it's ours just don't mm-hmm. put tyler rogers in the ninth with protecting a you know <laughs> three run or less lead. uh so transition a little bit i, I do want to i wonder you know i i don't want to like jinx us and be like you know no you know that the giants aren't going to win the division because i still feel like they have they have you know they have a game they're a game up and that means something with 12 to play but absolutely it means something yeah but, they, they're in a much better position than the dodgers yes. right uh, but let's say that we don't we don't 
we don't win the division. Uh-huh. Uh, there's been Blaspheme! a lot of <laughs> There's been a lot of movement in the wild the second wild card spot in the last week. Uh, we've seen the Reds drop off, the Padres have fallen off a cliff, and all of a sudden the St. Louis Cardinals are in that second uh, wild card spot and they're up by like I want to say two games uh, yeah. now in in the wild card spot. And so and that's not insignificant with 12 to play. So who would you rather face? Uh, if we were to be in the wild card, the Padres, the Cardinals, or the Reds? Hmm. Padres, Cardinals, or Reds? Well, based on the record that we have against those teams this year, the Giants were 6-1 and one against the Reds. Yeah. Are currently 7-6 and six against the Padres, and we're 2-4 and four against the Cardinals. So based off of that, the Reds. <laughs> yeah, I didn't and, even and know I, those records off the top of my head, and I was thinking the Reds. Yeah, I still I think it's the Reds. I, I, I think I would much rather face the Reds. I think they're the least talented team of those three teams. Agreed. I, I think that, um, you know, and then the Cardinals, oh, God, the Cardinals just got these, these old men. You know, they feel a little bit like the, the 2021 Giants, you know. It's these old wise. We get dominated by Adam Wainwright, aren't we? Yeah, and Yadier Molina. You know, they're going to come out there with their walkers and their canes. And like, eh, you know, Yadi, you're going to hear Yadi's knees pop every time he kneels down. And uh, yeah, I just don't want to have anything to do with those guys. Plus, it's just like there's so much history there between those two teams. And it's just like, we don't need another chapter. Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want the Cardinals. No. I don't want the Cardinals. And honestly, the Padres, I think, have the most talented lineup. They're the most talented team on the field. They are. And, I don't, and so I would just rather not face them either. You know, I, I Maybe think... we'll get a game, though, where they start you know, arguing in the dugout and screaming at each other. <laughs> and... uh, I don't think that would happen in a, in a wild card game because I think that only happens when you're in the midst of a tailspin and your season is about to implode. I, I, I also think that, yeah... It's not going to be the Padres. No. It's not going to be the Padres. Because the Padres are done. Well, and they play the Dodgers and Giants for like like nine out of their last Yeah, well, right, so. right. Yeah, and so the Giants are going to bury them, I, I think, and the Dodgers are going to bury them, right. Yeah, the, the Padres just have no chance of making the, the wild card spot at this point in time. I think... I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons for that. The record, not the least of which, um, I think they're also feeling a lot of pressure. You know, I did I did say their injuries didn't have that big of a deal to do with their record, and I said that because at one point in time the Padres and the Giants were roughly tied for injury games. The thing is, the Giants' injuries slowed down, but the Padres didn't. <laughs> At that point in time, they have something like 300 more missed games than any other team in baseball. So I'll give them a little uh, bit of credit yeah. for that. But maybe, the, maybe their GM should have built a deeper team. Then. There you go. I still think that's true. I still think that's the fact of, 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 of it is that they need to be more resilient. But nonetheless, I would still face the Reds. If I had to choose, I would choose to face the Reds in the wild card game. Uh, unfortunately, the poor Reds had to face the Dodgers while watching the Padres do what the Padres have been doing against the Cardinals. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so the Cardinals, you know, swept the Padres and uh, this weekend while the Reds went one and two against the Dodgers. So I, I, at this point, my money's on the Cardinals, but I would prefer it be the Reds. All right. Well, and I think, 
the last topic that I think we need to kind of talk about before we, we end our podcast today, and we alluded to this early in the, in the podcast, is that the Giants are in the midst of an historic season. And yes. I, 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 I asked you before we went on air when the Giants organization started. I think you said 1883? 1883 the, is their first season as a Major League Baseball team. That's like 138 seasons of, of baseball. Correct. And, uh, and with our cur- at, currently at 97 wins with 12 to play, where does that leave us in terms of the all-time Giants? Well, list? so the Giants have 97 wins as of today. If the Giants went 0-12 in their 12 remaining games, they would finish with 97 wins and therefore would be tied as for the fourth best San Francisco Giants win count. They would be tied with the 2000 Giants, only behind the 2003 Giants who won 100 games, and the 1993 and 1962 Giants who both won 103 games. So this is the fourth best Giants team by wins in San Francisco history. And it's tied with two other years for the 12th best team in franchise history. They're tied with 1954 as well as the year 2000. So right now, with 97 wins, we are the 12th best season ever in 138. And have 12 games to play. Right. Correct. And it, to, to, and, they're, and, and they're, honestly, their winning percentage right now is tied for the eighth all-time, eighth best all-time. Right, because they, they played fewer games back in there. Yeah, right, but. yeah. In the eighties, eighteen eighties, they played. In nineties, they played. They played lesser. They played fewer games. Um, but the Giants haven't had a winning percentage this high since nineteen eleven. Wow. So no team has won more games at this frequency than one hundred and ten years. One hundred and ten years. That's how good this and yet, team is. And yet is. some guy on Facebook is just screaming about how the Giants suck and he, wants, he doesn't want to watch them anymore? That guy on Facebook needs a Valium or a Quaalude <laughs> or a good cocktail or something, or all three. That guy needs to chill out. He needs to chill the fruit out. He needs to have a Honeycrisp cilantro smash. And then when he's all done, he needs to eat that the apple that he garnished it with because it's going to be all nice and crispy from oh, being in the cold Did ice. you do that already? I did. It was so good. <laughs> oh, man. You guys might have heard it crunching in the background. I don't know. It was pretty loud. I'll leave that oh, in it was when so I'm good. editing. But, but my <laughs> point is, the point is, the point is, this is a great team doing great things. And in the history of the Giants, they have only won 100 games seven times. Which is why I felt okay saying that I'm going to do shots. There's no way this team's going to win 100 games. And if they do game, I'm going to do shots. Sure, fine. This team is probably going to win 100 games. If they go 6-6, six and six, they will win with a hun- they'll finish with 103 wins. And they will be tied for third place with, with three other years. If they go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. If they go 9-3. They go- if they go nine and three, they tie for the all-time most wins with the nineteen oh four New York Giants. What was what was significant about the nineteen oh four New York Giants? The nineteen oh four New York Giants refused to play in the World Series. Why would they because do that? they felt that the American League champions, who I think was the Athletics, it might have been, <laughs> were beneath them. <laughs> and was not a good a good enough of an opponent to face. 
And so they just decided not to play them as they went 106 and 47 out of 158 games played. That's awesome. I, I think the Giants this year should just do that. Just yeah. at the end of the season, like we're too good for you. We're all. better than everybody else. We're just yeah, we're just gonna go just, home. Just it'll be like the NCAA where they proclaim themselves national champions. That's right. Yeah, know, even yeah. Though even though they, even though they yeah they didn't they, play in the right. national championship game. Oh, we're the champions. Yes. <laughs> we're undefeated too, so we're yeah, national. We're champions. Therefore, we're the champions. Uh, the second most wins is held by the 1905 Giants. That's the very next year. They they only won 105 games. Slackers. And did they play uh, the they, World Series that year? They did play in the World Series that year, and they won four to one. All right, well, <laughs> so so they may they, they were probably right. So the Giants could probably, hang another banner on their wall if they had just. They played could the have if they right? just. But you know, to be fair, that would have been the third World Series at that time, so it wasn't exactly. Thing, huh? It was a new thing, yes. And you know, the American League was and the National League were not in any way you know related to each other. There was there was no single commissioner of baseball or anything like that. So they were truly rival leagues at the time. Uh, so anyway, I mean, the, the point is, is that, yeah, like if the Giants go nine and three in these last 12 games, that's what they're going to do. They're going to match the best team, the most wins that has ever occurred for this franchise in its in entire history. year history. That's this crazy. is the team that has won more pennants and been to the World Series and won the World Series more times than any other National League team. Right. This is one of the most storied franchises in the history of baseball. And this season is one of the most storied and amazing seasons of this franchise. This is a fantastic team. Sit back and enjoy it. Enjoy these next 12 games, knowing that really they don't matter because the Giants are going to be in the playoffs. That's right. They're going to be in the playoffs. And all, and if they end up in the wild card game, all they have to do is win that one game. And we've seen them do that before too. No problem. This no is problem. not a problem. This is a time to enjoy with a nice cold cocktail in your hands. That's right. And, and whatever and just, playoff game that we're in, just mix up a good cocktail and enjoy it. Exactly. Because there'll be, what, 20, well, I don't know, I'm terrible at math, 26 other teams or whatever that are sitting at home watching too, so... Yeah, that's wrong. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm uh, terrible at math. So, I don't know how many of that. So whatever. <laughs> but you know who else has been watching? Who? Is San Francisco Giants fans this year. That's right. They have and, been watching. And and you, know, you and I went to a game this we year. We did which, go to one. And, we and, did, uh, we did. Uh, and, and maybe we could sneak in one more before you know the end of the year or maybe even a playoff game. Who knows? It's possible. Uh, but uh, I was, you know, you had you had mentioned that the Giants have drawn 1.4 million fans this year, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of amazing because, yeah, I mean, this is we're in the middle. If you had, didn't realize it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There's a pandemic. <laughs> there is, and and is that why there were zero fans last year? <laughs> Because I was were, looking was at these stats and I was like, I wonder cards. what year their lowest year was, and I was like, zero. <laughs> Oh, there was the cardboard cutouts. They were cheering. Yeah. Uh, but I was, that's pretty impressive that the Giants have drawn 1.4 million uh, in the yeah. middle of a pandemic. Right. Well, I, I, I just and the season's yeah. not over yet, right? I mean, we still I, got I, more games. I, that's right. They've got they've got six more games, 
And uh, yeah, it's 1.4 million. I, I think it's roughly around, I mean, it's like their 40th best attendance of all time, which I know is not great, right? 40th. But it's better than their midway, right? That's better than they were pulling at Candlestick Park in the 80s, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and I, you know, I only, I think it's worth mentioning because I, I do think, and I, I think it got squashed. But there was some people in the media started to make a little bit of noise about this about a month, month and a half ago. And, and it died a quick death. And I'm glad that it did. Because because they started to talk about how fans weren't going to the games. And I think they were looking at, at other stadiums and seeing how full those were and, and comparing and contrasting. And and I just felt like that was a bunch of BS. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it is it is a state. Look, we have a certain culture here in our Bay Area and whether or not you you know, you, you, um, feel like you're part of that or not is really irrelevant. It, it is, it, it, it explains this attendance under the current circumstances. Yeah. No, and the San I... Francisco people are who they are and they are doing what they're going to do. But despite all of that, 1.4 million of them have gone to games in San Francisco this year to cheer this team on. And uh, I think that's absolutely astounding. It is. It's amazing. And, and, you know, and hopefully next year, I, you know, if we were doing this in a normal year, no doubt would they be, you know, they'd be well over 2 million. And, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, they'd be uh, approaching 3 million. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, I, I think, um, they'd be, you know, one of the top 20 attendance records of the, of the franchise. And so I, you know, I, I think, um, and I think that, you know, the, the fans are going to return as soon as they feel comfortable doing so. Yeah. And that'll be when it'll be, uh, but it will happen. And and I think they're doing the best they can to support this team uh, during this, you know, during during this very, very unusual circumstances, an unusually good San Francisco Giants team and a very unusual set of circumstances in the rest of the world. Um, But, yeah, I think it is, um, you know, whether you can make it to the games or not, I think the important thing to remember is enjoy how good this team is. You know, and enjoy like I talked about this earlier in the season. Enjoy the seasons that that, you know, Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey are putting together two all time great giants who are having all time great seasons in their careers at the end of their careers. You know, a huge part of this effort, you know, Um, and Brandon Belt, whose future we don't know what the Giants is going to be, you know, playing playing as loose and as comfortable as I've ever seen a guy. Yeah. Um, and well, absolutely a leader on this team. And and I think I almost want to say this month's play has made it more likely that he'll be back than than not. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw my stake down on that. I would not be surprised if Brandon Bell is resigned for at least I, another year. But we'll, I think it's worth talking about as we as we wind the season down. Uh, there's you know, sure, we can talk, talk more about, about that. I want to yeah. talk a little bit about the next nine games, but yeah. but I yeah. think that's worth talking about. And speaking of the next nine games, so there's some kind of symmetry going on with the next nine games. It just yeah. so happens that uh, the Giants and Dodgers over the next nine games will play the exact same opponents. That's correct. Each They're playing the Padres, Rockies, and Diamondbacks for three games apiece each. So what so, does that mean? Well, one, it means that we don't like... So technically, the Dodgers actually have a, a harder record, a harder uh, head, to, sorry, harder schedule the rest of the, these 12 games because they play their last three games against the Brewers. Unfortunately, the Brewers probably by then will have clinched their division 
and yeah, they're we'll sitting just everybody be sh- the last few they'll be shuffling people <laughs> around in that series, making sure they stay healthy and probably not wanting to show the Dodgers too much. Right. So so I don't think that last series is going to be very difficult for the Dodgers to win. Um, I do think the Brewers will still squeak a game out, though, just because they're a very good team. Um, and, and the Giants are going to be playing the Padres in that last s- series. So that's why the Dodgers have uh, ostensibly a tougher schedule, but but in some ways easier. But these next nine games are three apiece against those three teams, the, the Rockies, Padres and Diamondbacks. And that matters because even though the Giants and Dodgers don't play each other for the rest of the season, these next nine games are almost like a proxy battle against each other. If you think that the Giants are a better team than the Dodgers, then the Giants should come out of these next nine games with a better record or an equal record. If the Giants are truly better than the Dodgers, then they should come out ahead in these next nine games. This is a huge set of nine games to to establish who is going to be where in that last weekend. And if the Giants win more games in these next nine than the Dodgers do, they'll be at least two games ahead of them going into the final series. And if they're two games up going into that final series, you got to feel very, very good about their chances of winning the division. So uh, just to just to just to let you guys just to play this out. So the Giants play the Padres. They are seven and six against the Padres. The Giants will play them in San Diego. The Giants are three and three against the Padres in San Diego. The Dodgers will play them in LA. They're four and three against the Padres in LA and nine and seven overall. So not a huge difference. They both have a winning record against the Padres, but not by a significant margin. They both play Colorado. They both have good records against Colorado. Um, the Giants are twelve and four against the Rockies. The Dodgers are eleven and five. The Dodgers have struggled more against the Rockies than the Giants have. Uh, The good news is that the Dodgers are playing in Colorado. The bad news is the Giants are also playing in Colorado, where the Rockies are quite good. Despite that, though, the Dodgers are 5-1 in Colorado this year, and the Giants are 4-2 in Colorado. So even though the Rockies beat most teams in Colorado, they don't beat either of these two teams. And then there's the Diamondbacks. (laughs) It really doesn't matter where these two teams play the Diamondbacks. They kick the snot out of them. Both the Giants and Dodgers are 14-2 and against the Diamondbacks this year. The, Gi- the Giants will be playing their games in San Francisco where they have not lost to the Diamondbacks yet this year. They're 6-0. and The Dodgers will be playing in Arizona where the Dodgers are 5-1 and this year. So... As we can see, I mean, what that says is that these two teams have played these these three teams at the same level all pretty, year. Yeah, pretty equally. Pretty equally. I mean, if you, if, if you were a betting man, you'd probably say, yeah, whatever the record is, it's probably going to be the same. The Giants are going to come out of this 6-3, and three, and the Dodgers are going to come out 6-3, and three, or 9-0, and oh, or 7-, and you know, whatever. It's going to be the same. The point is, is that these are identical records, and if you believe the Giants are better than the Dodgers then this is a great nine games for them to prove that. And so, um, you know, if people were stressing out about the record or stressing out how the Dodgers aren't losing, well, you don't have to worry about any of those things other than the fact that just pretend the Giants and Dodgers are playing each other over the next nine games because they really kind of are. These are like proxy battles against each other. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think uh, the just what strikes me about that is that if we're, you know, we tend to kind of follow game to game, right? And we we panic when the Giants uh, lose and we 
maybe panic still when the Dodgers win. And uh, it'll be what this is saying is that we, we really do have to wait through this whole series because uh, any, you know, it, it just one win here versus a loss there doesn't really mean a whole lot. But at the end of nine, if we each go five and four in those nine games, let's say, right, yeah. then we're still one game up. That's right. You know, uh, you know, and not to say that we'll go five and four. I just picked that out of my head because it'll probably be different than that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the goal, right, is to get to that last series with the Padres up by at least one, right? And and it would be, I mean, if we're up two, you know, by uh, by the time we get to our last. If you're up two, the then you're at least going to the the tiebreaker game. Yeah. And and then a tiebreaker game is like, I mean, honestly, tiebreaker game is what I want. You know, I mean, it doesn't get any more fair than that. Well, how, how awesome would that be? Right. Just to play the Dodgers for the National League title in a winner take all one game playoff. That would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would be worried about history trying to balance the books there. Oh, but, don't uh... go back to Robbie Thompson. I know. But... <laughs> Uh, Bobby Thompson. Bobby, Bobby Thompson. Yes. Yeah. Robbie Thompson was a different era. <laughs> uh, yeah. Still a good giant. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. But I just, yeah, I just wanted to point that out because these next nine games really are like a proxy battle between the Dodgers and Giants, and it really is a good way for you know, really think about, you know, how do the Giants perform over these next nine games? I think if the Giants go seven and two. I think if the Giants go seven and two over the next nine games, they're winning. They're winning the division. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Dodgers could go nine and zero, right? Obviously that last weekend is still going to matter, but seven and two is probably is probably is what would push them over. Yeah. Six and three. Would I, probably I think I think seven two is is, is asking a lot though. I, I think I do. Yeah. No, yeah. I think seven and two is asking a lot for sure. So I think for six sure. and three is probably like a best case scenario. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. I would think six and three would be best case scenario, and I think that would be very good. I I, I think that that's true for the pod, the Dodgers as well, yeah. given the series in Colorado and playing the Padres. I I think I think you can look at both of those series and see three losses coming out of just those two series alone. I think both of these teams should sweep the Diamondbacks. Yeah. I think if they played three game series against the Diamondbacks a hundred times, it should sweep they should win every single game, both of these teams. That's how bad the Diamondbacks are. <laughs> All right. I mean well, fourteen and two, both of them against that team. That's unbelievable. I know. That is. And I mean, it, it almost rivals the uh the 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 Rockies losing all their series to, to Yeah. To the, to oh, the let's not forget about that though. Buddy Black. Redemption. Redemption time. All right. Well, we are at the end of our podcast, and uh, you don't have any dice to roll anymore, so we don't no. need to do all that. Uh, you know, we'll, we got six games uh, this week. Tomorrow's an off. Monday's an off day for the Giants, uh, which will only help them. I think every off day helps <laughs> helps the, the Giants. And uh, in the meantime, definitely connect with us on Twitter. We're having fun over there. Uh, connect with us on Instagram, both at at Giant Cocktails. Uh, you can follow Ben at at Watch Ben Fail. And uh, also, don't forget to subscribe, uh, like, review, all those things on your podcast player of choice. And um, with that, Ben, uh, I think it's time to say goodnight. It was a good chat with you. We'll, uh, we'll see you again next week. Cheers. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up.